Welcome to the podcast, Cutting for Sign. I'm Ron Cecil, men's life coach and writer, together with my co-host, best friend and artist, Daniel Penner-Klein. Throughout our lives and as friends over the past decade, we've asked, how do we find the clues and puzzle pieces that align us with our higher potential? Join us as we converse with experts, artists, adventurers, mental health professionals, and fellow deep thinkers as we cut for sign and attune our own potential, mental health, and creativity. like the sky. Hey everybody, welcome to Cutting for Sign. My name is Ron Cecil. Hey, hey, Ron Cecil, Daniel Penacline here, jumping in like, like you've asked me to do. Introduce yourself, asshole. Don't leave me hanging two seconds into the recording. <laughs> Look at the nice man and shake his hand. Look him in the eye. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Dad. <laughs> hey, you know, we get parenting advice from all kinds of motherfuckers in this world. Sometimes we do. Sometimes we were we just do. talking right before about one that we got. I got last night and you brought it up, which is ums and uhs and, and dead dead space. And we were like, hey, let's let's work on that. Let's maybe not do that as much. Because it makes uh, people, you know, according to some people or in some people's experience, less, less, less believable. Maybe they take them less seriously, or maybe you don't seem as um, sure of what you're saying. What do you it's, think about that? It's so difficult to to allow ourselves to keep the verbal ticks out of our mouth to to keep the verbal ticks out of our mouth in a way that allows us to sound more articulate because there's self-editing going on in my mind, at least I can't speak for anyone else, but I am, I have to give myself these pauses and moments of, of reprieve while I'm speaking in order to think about what I'm going to say. And I think yeah. those ums and uhs are the, the speed bumps that my brain needs to fix it. And now I'm going to have to be silent. <laughs> well, that's what or that try. real I was mentioning last night. It was some, yeah. some guy, some doctor of, of something. <laughs> he, uh, he said, you want to know what allows you to get rid of the ums and stuff? Being comfortable with quiets, the silences. You got it. If as soon as you can do that, you'll, they'll just go away. They evaporate. Yeah. I'm going to try that. Our podcast today is just full of five seconds. So silent, so quiet. <laughs> well, this one of the podcast episode where people take it out. Actually, <laughs> I think this is going to be a podcast episode uh, where people are going to be more on the edge of their seat. It's a little different, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so this this guy that's coming on today, named Scott, who you'll introduce in a few minutes, is someone I met online several months ago. He reached out to me. Uh, to potentially help him with coaching. And and then he said to me, Hey man, I'm actually a, a con, an ex con. I just got out of prison and I don't think I can afford coaching, but I would like some advice. And I try to, I genuinely try to help people no matter what to point them in a, in some direction that could be helpful. So I said, Hey, let's jump on the phone for a half hour. And I was listening to a story and so enthralled with his experience. I mean, what I heard was a man who was thrown in prison as, as, as basically an immature young man, like an adolescent with, with very little finishing in his life, if any. And then essentially 
transported, time traveled in society. When, when, before he went in, there was hardly the internet. There was no smartphones. Everything was, uh, media-wise, was about 100x smaller. And then he comes out and, and describing what it's like to see a world where everyone is stuck to their devices. And he said he walked into, I don't want to steal stories, but it, I, would, I, I just couldn't imagine how scary that would be, how, how out of place he might feel. Hmm. And he's a great conversationalist. Really lovely I mean, person that, to talk to. That's that's one of the main boxes to that we try to check here. You know, is like ourselves being conversationalists, and then and then. But I'm I'm glad that you suggested and that you wanted wanted him to come on. And I'm so curious about so much. And you know, I, one thing that we're start we wanted to try to play with um, starting today was like maybe bringing a little quote to the draw. You know, the yeah. draw is like where we're taking aim at this conversation fits our cutting for sign tracking um, metaphor that we use there. And Draw being the movement an archer takes to pull the string back and to take aim. Yeah. At what we're, what we're going for. Yeah. And, and I, so I pulled this, I, I collect quotes from um, books that I read or listen to and I'll write them down in my, I will send them to a text to myself just, and then I'll return to them and try to start to remember them, you know? And this one that I that I wrote from this Jungian psychologist's book, Inner Work, that I mentioned quite a bit, talks about the reason I thought it might be somewhat applicable today, and I'm not trying to silver lining his experience, but there's a forced introversion that it seems like prison does to some people, and they they have time and space. Like Mike Tyson said, the three years he spent in the prison were the best of his life. And again, I'm not trying to disrespect by sugarcoating his or Scott's experience. I don't even know of his experience yet because I haven't spoken with him, but it is one aspect of it. And I'm curious what he thinks. So can I read this thing? Yeah, please do. Okay. Not all who hesitate are lost. The psyche has many secrets in reserve and these are not disclosed unless required. And so it is that sometimes the predicament of following an obstinate refusal of the call proves to be the occasion of a providential revelation. I don't know what providential means. Revelation of some unsuspected principle of release. Willed introversion, in fact, is one of the classic instruments of creative genius and can be implored as a deliberate instrument of create uh, as a deliberate device. It drives the psyche, psychic energies into depth and activates the latent content of unconscious and infantile and archetypal images. Does that make sense? It does. It does. Providential means as if directed by God. Providence Whoa. is a is a synonym, not quite a synonym. It's a synonym for the for the invisible um, spirit in the machine. Some people would lean more into God, uh, you know, others, some, some other mm. powerful force. I like it. It's a pretty yeah. spiritual term. It sounds like it's, it's yeah. Providence itself can be its own noun, you know, providence. Like it is the, it is the force itself. Providence. Wow. Well, I'm curious about that. And you know, what's funny is that a lot of religious experiences seem to take place in, in prison too. And, you know, again, I, I, I want to always like the caveat of just, total respect for his journey and, and the suffering that I'm sure he experienced. And I wouldn't wish it on 
you know, anyone who, you know, didn't yeah. kind of deserve it or need it. And that's a whole nother subject. But, but I do wonder if he had some experience around that. It's a good question. And I, and it reminds me of a conversation you and I had a few years ago. We were, what were we doing? I think, oh, you were like liquidating, liquidating your art stuff before you left Portland. Mm -hmm. And we, you sold a big like painting table to an artist out mm. in Northwest of Germantown road. Yeah. And you were talking about, uh, the gift of being isolated, like forced to be isolated in order to work, to work on your inner world and how we live in a place in a time where it's, it's almost impossible to do that unless you really force yourself to obviously being thrown in prison for 18 years is not, <laughs> you know, I mean, Nelson Mandela would be the exception, right? Like that would be, uh, something really good happens from that. And I am, I have no idea what Scott's experience is around that, but it's, it sounds not, not good, not good at yeah. all. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Be careful with bringing that one up. That's why I'm like, I'm not, you know what I mean? It's yeah, like, I maybe it. it's not a good topic. I'm, I don't know him <laughs> like, well what enough. What the fuck you guys? <laughs> yeah. So, you know, yeah, prison sucks, but there was some good stuff, right? <laughs> you know, it's like, it gets romanticized. Malcolm X reading in the dark in prison, getting his doctorate in prison, basically is what he says. Yeah. You know, his masters and, and uh, you know, there's uh, that Charles Bronson, Char not Charles Bronson, but the guy who played in that um, the character. Oh, the, the movie's Bronson. Bronson, yeah. The character uh, is Tom Hardy's character, and and he, uh, I don't know if he's still alive. He might be, but he started doing some amazing art hmm. in prison. Yeah. So, you know, who knows, man? But I, it's one thing I'd like to at least touch on, and and as far as like, shit, what. What I would be curious about and what why I'm feeling kind of honored and was really uniquely excited for this conversation is just because he's so fresh out, you know, and he has the unique perspective that isn't five or 10 years later, like it's, it's a year ago, man. So I'm curious what's what, how he's doing, you know? <laughs> <clears throat> Something else that was coming up for me when I first met him and, and and I've been thinking about on this is you know what? It just completely left my mind. I had it. I had it. And it was gone. Please leave this in and don't edit that out. I love, I love what a gangster moment. Just a, you, you didn't say your ohms and you didn't do your wind up words. You just sat in it until it died. It's going to come up. You know, he's, uh, he's actually in the waiting room right now, but before I let him in, there is, it's going to come up in a few minutes or, or some point and think of oh, it. Be like, oh my gosh, guys, here it is. Yeah, it you're going to bring it up and it's going to ruin another moment by <laughs> wedging it in. <laughs> All the value of 18 years in a hermitage. Here's my challenge Gone. to you. Bring that up, but pocket it and again until it's appropriate. See Maybe if you can do he's it. crying or I'm crying or you're crying. <laughs> Boil the Conversational mood. ninja. <laughs> well, good. All right. Let's let him in. Scott Killett, you were arrested at the age of 20 for possession of a controlled substance and two aggravated robberies. You signed a plea bargain for 30 years and served 18 in two of the roughest prisons in Texas before being paroled. It has been a year since then, and in that time, the most significant surprise has been the overwhelming feeling of being out of place, like a prisoner pretending he belongs somewhere he doesn't. Well, Scott, welcome to Cutting for Sign. 
Thanks, guys. It's great to be here. Yeah, a little short and short and not so sweet introduction. That was a kind of um, uh, an intense, an intense thing that you went through, and um, we're both really curious about it. Um, and honored, super honored that you come on here and talk to us about it, man. I know that that I mean, I would guess talking about something like this wouldn't be super fun, but uh, I appreciate you showing up here, man. No, I appreciate you guys having me. It's uh, it's nice to be able to talk about things sometimes that you uh, normally may not share with just yeah. anybody, you know. Yeah, Scott, you I might. think we got, we got, I think we were in kind of the same part of the world when you uh, got arrested. So you were, tell me about what part of Texas you were in at that time. You were 18, 19, it, 20 years was, old. Yes. And I was in Houston, Texas. Oh, gotcha. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I was up in Dallas at the time. I think we we're about the same age. And okay. Yeah. And then tell us a little bit about what was going on in your life at the time and then how that, how that transpired. You know, it's, that's funny because that's something that I still think about all these years later. Really? Uh, and even after, yeah. And even after doing all the time in prison, uh, because, uh, you know, I was raised in a, uh, I guess what you would call a, you know, a good stable family. I had a good home, you know, my, my parents were there and, excuse me, I had uh, four younger siblings and uh, we lived in the suburbs, um, not a hard life, you know, and, uh, and something inside me at a younger age just began to develop uh, a rebelliousness. And uh, it just, it just fostered and grew. And I started having uh, problems in school and, you know, I got kicked out of four schools uh, between sixth and 12th grade before dropping out my senior year of high school uh, at the age of 18 and, and, and moving out. And I think the, the biggest thing that led me down the path that I, I went down was uh, not just that rebelliousness that I had inside of me, but also the, the people that I was hanging. Yeah. And then <clears throat> I thought that it was interesting what you went in for. And, and I think that that is, <laughs> Because when it says uh, possession of a banned substance, you know, uh, fuck, man, part of my brain goes weed, little, little coke, who cares, you know? And I don't know what it was, but that second part, the uh, the robbery is like, I, I would think that would be a tough one for people to, a tougher one for people to accept because there's potential violence involved. Is that something that you've run into when you tell your story? Do you, do you feel, a, can you just tell us a little bit about what happened to, and, and I'm just curious about that. Sure. Uh, absolutely. Um, what ended up happening was I, I had hooked up with this guy who was uh, a decade my senior and um, and he was partying real hard like I was and uh, doing drugs and things like that. And that was kind of how we, we bumped into each other was at a party. Well, we, we hit it off, uh, I guess, just like chemistry rise, you know, real well. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and we started hanging out and that was when he told me that, you know, he would do these, these robberies and these things. Uh, and so slowly my mind, you know, turned it over and I was like, well, this is great. You know, like fast, easy money. And, and it, it, it catered to that rebellious side that I had and that, you know, wanting to be on the other side of the law or whatever. And, uh, and so, uh, we started, we started actually a string of robberies and what ended up happening was, um, I was actually arrested uh, before the age of, of, or before the year of 2004 for the, the possession of a controlled substance, and it was cocaine. Um, and I got out a week later uh, on probation 
And I never even checked in for probation. I never met my probation officer or anything. I went on the run. And I just kept doing these robberies. So now I'm on the run. We're living in hotels or staying at people's houses. And we're just, you know, it's just, it's a, it's a, it's a shit storm, dude. You know, it's like, it's, it's out of fucking control. <laughs> were you, were you all coked up at that time? Were you like, was drugs? Oh man, I was, I was, like... I mean, I was just high all the time. I mean, it wasn't like I was strung out on meth or strung out on Coke. It was, yeah. I was always doing Coke and meth and, and X and smoking weed and taking pills or so. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, I wouldn't say I was, I was just strung out on one drug. I was just strung yeah. out on party. Yeah. Wow. And how long did that time go? Where you kind of on the lamb before things fell apart, and how did they fall apart? <laughs> Further fall apart. Were, see, y'all just, <laughs> yeah, when were, did the I wheels mean, come off? <laughs> you had it so together there when you were strung out on many, many drugs, running from the law. <laughs> needed some tank tracks on it or something, right? <laughs> when did things get rough? That's right. <laughs> Anyways, back to middle school. No. Um, yeah. uh, so I guess. When I moved out, when I was 18 and I dropped out of high school, um, that was when, when I started really just going downhill personally. And I was already headed in that direction, but this was what just, you know how like you're going up a hill in a car and you, you, you're pressing the accelerator to get your momentum up and then you hit that tip of it and then you could just sail down the other end. Yeah. When I moved out at the age of 18 and I dropped out of high school, that was that tipping point at the top of that hill and then I was just coasting full speed downhill. Were you, would you have considered yourself an addict at that time or would you now consider yourself? I I wouldn't, now I would, I wouldn't have told you I was an addict then, but but now I would have said I was at least addicted, you know? Yeah. And then bring us up to, so you're on the run, you're living in hotels. How long did that go on? Uh, six or eight months. Oh, damn. Six or eight months. That is a while. Oh yeah. Yeah. And this was all over. We're just zipping around Houston like crazy. Wow. Houston's a massive place. It's it's giant, super it's sprawly, so, right? So, so big. Say what? It's, it's, it's sprawly. It's like yeah, yes. yeah very sprawly. And then yeah. and then what? I, so we usually don't do this because yeah, this don't. is usually the story story that people already know about who we have on. But I it doesn't. I don't imagine many people know your story, and so it's kind of nice to kind of skip through the plot points uh, and, and the adventure of it. What what happened after that? six eight months and how did you end up actually I have, a, I have a question before that what what yeah. kind of robberies were you doing were you like sticking up like uh grocery stores convenience stores little banks like what was what were you guys doing uh coin shops ice cream stores uh oh. lingerie shops uh yeah. triple x video stores. Any, really? yeah yeah and you would go in like with a gun a concealed gun and fuck man in a mask or a wig and sunglasses or and that was how they put all the robberies on us because the day that i got arrested the cops showed up we got followed back from a robbery we had done oh. and they uh like a good samaritan and uh, they followed us to the hotel where we were staying and the cops came and kicked the door in on us whoa a and, good and, samaritan yeah yes I don't even really know what you mean by I know what that term means, but what do you mean? Someone I don't know if it was if it was either a customer or one of the employees at the store, I don't know. But somebody followed us that saw oh. us do the robbery, followed us oh. back to where we went. Whoa. That's a Bold. pretty Yeah. Bold. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. That's yeah. wild, man. Yeah. Okay, and so you get busted and that was it. Eighteen years later. Yeah, that's pretty much what happened. You know, was, your of, partner in crime, was he, did you guys serve time together? Were you guys separated? 
we were separated. Um, he got 35 years. <clears throat> we actually, uh, part of uh, our parole conditions are we're not allowed to have any contact. Right. Um, so I don't even look him up. I don't even know what his status is or where he's at or what he's got going on. I just, you know, yeah. yeah. Wow. I don't want to, I don't want to get locked back up for, for a technical violation, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I won't, I won't do that for you either. <laughs> Man, there's so much uh, going through my head on this, Scott. It's just, uh, you know, I was curious about what got you there. Um, you were very young, fell in with the wrong crowd. You know, I get that. I'm sure it was more complicated than that also and probably goes back further. But, um, you know, one of the most interesting things about you, not to like put you on display, right? That's not what this is about. But we're definitely, you have a unique perspective that a lot of people don't have in being, having been, <clears throat> excuse me, in incarcerated for a long time, like a, a generation. And then, so that's unique. You're also young guys, you know, now. So you're all so much life left and it just happened. And so that's just like a lot of unique things. And I'm curious about where you're at. I know Ron, super curious about where you're at. And I don't really know how to specifically ask about it. Cause there's a lot of little, you know, aspects that I'm, I'm really curious about, but can you just tell us a little bit about how you're doing and, and that some of the challenges. <clears throat> I'll give you a, a brief synopsis of, of the last year, and then you can uh, ask questions yeah. from there. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so when I got out of prison, um, I was in a relationship and uh, with a girl that I had met while I was locked up and we were together for three years. Like Wait, a pen situation. Yes, exactly. So they have these, these prison pen pal websites that you can get on and Whoa. find inmates to write letters to. <laughs> Yeah. So, and not to just go too far away from the story, but she had been to prison too. So she, you know, gotcha. she knew what a pen pal was and what Texas prisons were like, whatever. So anyways, uh, so we were together for the last three years of my time. And when I got out, we got married, um, just, you know, a month and some change later. And, uh, man, everything just started going to fuck shit. I mean, I mean, like that I've had days and you would think somebody who does 18 years in prison and gets out would never have a bad day. That would be, that's what I thought it would be like, mm. man, this shit out here has some days has been a living fucking nightmare. Oh. It is just, it is, it is in fucking saying specific sometimes. to the relationship. That's part of it, but it all ties in together. You know, um, I think that's one thing that, that I guess looking back right now after my year, uh, like it's a stopping point looking back, I could probably go ahead and honestly tell you that no matter where I had gone or who I was with or what I was doing, it was going to be fucked up. Gotcha. Is that, is that because you're, you're, you're recognizing your like lack of tools to deal with, with life? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Tell us more about that. The, about the, the, I mean, you know, you have to understand too, you know, when I, uh, I was arrested, there was no MySpace. Yeah. yeah. I've never had a MySpace account. So, you know, who's, who's 39 years old and is, you know, like, I mean, it's, it's just a big gap. So social media was not overwhelming, but it's just, it's a lot to catch up on, you know, uh, culturally we've changed so much out here and, um, uh, there's a lot of things like social norms that I violate without knowing. Oh, uh, like what? <clears throat> oh man, all kinds of shit. I don't even know where to start. 
Dude, it's a green flag. When you got me and Ron asking the same questions synchronized, you got our attention. <laughs> <laughs> I just realized that. <laughs> okay, so so here's an example. When my 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 wife and I we separated because it just got so bad that I couldn't, I mean, it was it was just so bad. And I had made her a lot of promises, you know, that I, I was I naively made, you know, that I couldn't fulfill yeah, yeah. when I got out. I've, I've, and and I've we just there, it just yeah, it was it was it was it was really really hard uh, to uh, to separate, um, and I had a lot of a lot of guilt and shame, and I I felt like a failure, you know. Um, but but we're not talking; we're separated right now, and so I've been I've been seeing other women. Well, I'm I get on these uh, these dating apps because apparently that's how you do it now. I've never used a dating app before. Before I went to prison, if you wanted a date with a chick you had to go talk to her. You know what I mean? Like yeah. there wasn't any of this, just let me text an emoji or a gift to her and see if I she's mean, interested. I mean, that way still exists. It's just, we got other ways too, you know, like that's one thing I've noticed is that people uh, sometimes say that that's it's like, it's, that's the only way to meet people. It's not, you know, all the other ways still exist. We just also have this crazy way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like super turbocharged <laughs> way. Exactly what it is. And I figured it out. Now it's like I unlocked a key or something. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty awesome. So, but like to do it. it uh, I mean, man, it, like look, I've been looking at you right now, Scott. You got a black and white shirt on. You look a little bit like, <laughs> like you like stylized your jail attire, and and I, I bet. <laughs> I yeah, mean, you can tell me to fuck off if I'm overstepping you up bounds here, but like, I bet you, that you got the bad boy thing down for some women. They're just like, holy shit, <laughs> a real bad boy. If, if you if you gave a, a clothing designer uh, an old 1930s black and white horizontal stripes and said, make a modern day cool shirt out of it, that is what Scott's wearing. Right now. <laughs> you like the shirt? It's a good it's shirt. Cool. Isn't it? it's a cool it's shirt. good, man. <laughs> it is a cool shirt. I didn't put the jail part together. <laughs> I didn't neither and i was in there so <laughs> hey man and just so you know too like it's easy for me and ron to get comfortable and excited about hearing your story and, but you're so fresh out like anything we ask if it's if it's if it's like us making light of it you know yeah. like apologies because i i could see us doing that but we you know what i mean wait we're trying to no, be, i don't know what you mean i'm over all that shit bro we can okay. talk about whatever there's just no make boundaries yeah uh, we're good dude you can ask anything and i will tell you anything well, it's nice. not as much asking only. It's also us like laughing and making jokes about it. You know, like all I, that is green light. That's okay. how I did eighteen years in prison, <laughs> okay, laughing cool. and making a joke of it. Right. If I hadn't done that, I wouldn't be here today. All right, cool. So cool, get cool. back, get back, get back to sure, the social sure. norms you're crossing. <laughs> like you're 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 dating online. You've unlocked it. Cracking out on dating, yeah. man. Fuck yeah. So I'm talking to this girl. I'm at her place the other day, right? And, and I'm asking her about her experiences on the dating app. So she's telling them to me and we're laughing and exchanging stories. And then she's like, we're not supposed to be talking about this. And I was like, about what? She's like, well, our other, you know, like our other, our other dates and stuff on that. You don't, you don't do that. And I was like, why not? She's like, well, it's, it's like inappropriate kind of. And I was like, well, you were just talking about it too. So I don't, you know, like, she's like, well, I'm not saying like, I have a problem with it. She's like, but other people do it you know she's like you're the first person that's ever asked or shared anything like that well about your other nah. dates and their other dates. yes yes because apparently that's a taboo is not Dude, to talk about i have been and I, guess I have aggressively uh dated on apps for seven years and we've been all over the nuances and i've never heard that until the moment you just said that really 
I wouldn't think that that would be disrespectful. One of the funnest things to do is talk about how shitty or potentially interesting or great or unique your other dates have been. That's a shared experience. Why is that what you're saying? That that was my opinion. That was how I felt about it. Dude, you're good. In my opinion, yeah, stick with that. That's a red flag for that person. That's not a you problem. Yeah. <laughs> oh, her, her first red flag was agreeing to see me. <laughs> <laughs> So it's a I had just weave, taken a drink of tea. <laughs> Almost shot that out my nose. <laughs> she said that. Wouldn't Perfect. that be fucking great? You're like, uh, uh, I can't date you. Why? Because you want to date me. <laughs> there was, there was, there's actually been a couple of girls that I started chatting to, and then I told them, "Hey, look, uh, you're out of my league. I can't talk to you." And then I'll tell them that I was in prison or whatever, and they'll ghost me. Interesting, yeah, well, dude. I, th- I, I was talking to somebody last night who, um, who. It is in a lot of regards like a, a, a smart, articulate, successful person, good-looking guy, and he was describing a woman who who was out of his league that was so out of his league, <clears throat> it actually sent him in a in a downward spiral of of depression. Yeah, he's like, "There's no way I can stand up to this. Yeah. There's no way." And this guy is wow. like, seemingly has his shit together and is pretty powerful and like awesome. I mean, we know him a little better, and we all have our, our underbellies. But it was were you surprised by that, Ron? I was surprised by that, but but at the same time, not surprised by that. I totally get that idea that like there's this uh, we have our own internal measure of who we are <laughs> and what we think we are and our value in the world. And then we we see somebody or experience someone that is like, man, they're they're beyond me, and I and and they don't see that. Like they look at us, you know. It, it sounded like she was looking at him, like, man, that guy's a catch because he fucking is. He dude, totally dude, is. There's a term for that, Ron. It's anima possessed. If you're a, if you're what? a dude, I mean, this is a term in Jungian psychology. Huh. So there's other ways to say it, and it's not. I'm not professing that this is a thing that exists and for everybody. There's just yeah. one way to say it in one language, and it's animal possessed. So <clears throat> for a guy, we're going to gender it. If a guy and there's a woman who's interested, who like you said is, or you know, like you were saying, Scott feels out of your league. Um, you know, part of that reason, and I, I'm not saying that this is what was going on with you, but it sounds like with, with our mutual friend, it was more this case is you get so you're, it's like, they're the perfect thing. And there's this thing, there's this way, this archetypal kind of pattern in us and pro, proclivity to, to have, to be, so, to have one person seem to have all the answers of our, of our erotic answers of our, joy of our fulfillment of our worthiness you can actually get anima possessed with a career you can get anima possessed with a woman it's that thing that you thought you'd never be able to do and you suddenly you get it but it is a possession it doesn't have as much to do with the actual person or opportunity in front of you it's that you can't even see or relate to because you're just relating to a projection of this of this own utterly idyllic aspect of your psyche and i'm kind of like just learning how to speak about this but does that kind of make sense it kind of makes sense what i was thinking are you know the scott's work and you know 20 you know i I don't know i'm trying to think of a metaphor but like he actually has a problem here and that is when people find out he's come out of prison there's a there's a judgment is that why they feel out of your league that's kind of why i wondered if your situation was maybe not what i was talking about yeah that's why it is yeah, fuck that and the, the, the fact. I mean, I don't. You know, I'm I'm 39 years old, dude. I I have, you know, I don't own my own car. 
building a fucking tiny house that that you know is like still i mean it's a fucking i live in a shed you know what i mean uh i I worked at a dog kennel you know it's just like i'm still 20 years old with a lot of things you know Mm -hmm. Uh, i just had to take a when i got out of prison i had to get my driver's license back and because it had expired i had to take the test over so when i when i took the written test they were like hey you can come back for the driving test and get your license you know in a month or you can go ahead and get excuse me, uh, your learner's permit now. And I was like, I'm not fixing to be the only 38 year old man in the state of Texas with a learner's permit, you know, like, fuck that. So I just went back for my license. <laughs> Dude, there's so many pieces you're fucking trying to put together, man. How are you doing, Scott? <laughs> Good question. Bro, it sucks. <laughs> yeah, I bet it does. Um, I bet it's fucking I'm awful. I'm exhausted. I'm exhausted from work. I can't stop running around meeting these women. It's like <laughs> I, I, the other day, this is, this happened to me. So Friday, two Fridays ago, two Fridays ago, I had sex with a woman in the morning time when I woke up in her bed and I left her apartment and I went home and I took a shower and I went to another girl's apartment and I had sex with her. And it wasn't until after I had sex with her that I realized I just had sex with two women in one day. And I was like blown away. It was like, you know, and so I was like, well, now I have to do three. So that took some planning. That took some orchestration, but I did it. I did three chicks in one day. And it's like, I can't stop this pattern of like chasing ass. And it's like, I'm trying to, to almost compensate in an area of my life for everything else where there's nothing, you know, it's like, sorry, go ahead. No, I mean, it's just like, you know, I, I don't know. Sometimes I feel like I'm, I'm just uh, running for myself, you know? Yeah. And do you, yeah. do you think you're, do you feel like that that's an addiction cycle? I mean, I don't, I don't feel addicted to it, but strangely enough, I'm happy in it. So I don't see any need to change this yet. Sure. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it hasn't ruined your life. Doesn't, I mean, your life you know, doesn't feel unmanageable. I'm not back in prison. That's my only standard right now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Man, there's a lot. I'm, there, I'm half kidding. I'm half kidding. No, I, I mean, the, the, I, I couldn't imagine uh, the accessibility of something like that, especially after it, having gone through an 18 year old, 18 yeah. year yeah. desert. It fucks you up. It fucks you up. It fucks your sexuality up. Yeah. It fucks your, your, uh, your ability to connect up. Um, but it's done a lot of other things for me too. Um, you know, it's, it's made me appreciate it more, I guess. And so, you know, not to just brag on myself, but I've gotten some five-star reviews. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe that's a, maybe that's a line of work you should get into. (laughs) I mean, I I just downloaded uh, Snapchat, so I'm going to see what's up with that. I mean, I, I've, <laughs> Scott, there's two things around that. Like, I, I, I hear you, you know, you want to be in, you want to be in within one's moral compass, you know, you want to be guided by that and, and working that out in, in different situations that you, that are so candy like after so long, you know, they're just so easy and so sweet. Um, you know, I, I think that's understandable and, you know, you I've been on the adventure of dating and online dating and I, I was in married for like nine years and they were nine, like mid, you know, they were prime years and coming out of that, 
I had never online dated and online dating, or sorry, like app dating was 10 years in right when I got married, it started. And so I'd never done it. And so I had the 10 year version of what you had and not as extreme yeah. because I was in, but man, I went through the same thing and, and it, you know, you're a good looking guy and you, you can tell stories, you're charming, outgoing and all that, man, I, I can understand where you're at for sure. And, you know, be careful and, you know, definitely not that I'm trying to like give you advice, but I, I, I ran into some problems where I was not telling women that I was what I really wanted and what I really was after. And I ended up having to send a lot of apologies, you know, maybe like five years ago, four years ago, because it bugged me and I wasn't the type of person I wanted to be. And so I think that, you know, everyone has their path with dating apps and stuff, but it is a very hot flame, you know, and it is like a drug and it's a, I just, I empathize with you and to some extent, I'm probably still there, you know, um, working out my issues around. I, I do feel really good about how I date and, and when I am dating and using apps, but man, I can understand where, where you're at. Yep. And there's one other thing I wanted to say about that. There's a guy I know who was never in prison. He was never married for nine years and he owns multiple houses. He's charming. He's fun. He's a good dude. One of the best dudes. And one day he told me, he's like, I had sex with four women in one day. They just kept coming over to my house, you know, through apps. And I was like, whoa, do they know about each other? No. And it's just, dude, it gets, it gets the best of us, man. <laughs> it's the best of us. No, it's like after I did three, it's like, now what do I do? But I guess all three at the same time. I don't know. How would, I mean, Ron, Ron and I talk about this. Ron has said, um, I don't want to like speak for you ron but what what's your how would you handle dating apps ron oh probably i mean the reality is i probably have done the same thing right. i mean I, I can't i don't know if i would have done anything different because i i i was never in <clears throat> available during that world and and i totally missed it you know got into a long-term relationship and married before it it took off and uh you know i was when i was single last time i was single i was it was like girls to meet at a bar you know, and that's, that's how I did it. And that was, you know, there was certainly, um, a fair amount of like, I just met this person and, and now we're going home. But, but, uh, to have that accessibility, I mean, what was, what, what makes me nervous about, you know, if I, you know, for myself, if I had had access to that is like, I'm already addicted to my phone. I'm already addicted to my device and I'm already, you know, those apps are designed to keep us hooked. Every app is not, not, I'm not saying, saying dating apps, they are all designed to keep us hooked. And I, I would, I would find it to be really difficult. I would imagine it'd be really, really difficult to one, stay off the apps if I was trying to, and then, and then just to have that accessibility to women who are ready and willing to have sex with you would be really hard really really hard oh man it's 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 draining dude it is draining that's what ron says man that's what he talks about when he talks about he goes i really appreciate this about ron he goes he goes i don't i i don't have the bandwidth to invite that into my life it would be addictive and it, you know and to say no to that when you know ron's like a very good looking person and has a good like profile he could make a nice profile if he wanted to and it would be very attractive you know, to women. And so to know that that's not something you should do and, and, uh, 
I don't know. I just, I respect that a lot. It hasn't been my strength. Do you fit, do you think it's getting in the way of what you're trying? I mean, what do you, so I guess there's a, I want to come back to this. We'll come back yeah. to this, Scott, yeah. but you're out dude. And you have, do you have a felony? Is that how that works? Yes. I'm, they're all felonies, all three of my charges. Yeah. Three felonies. So are you allowed to vote? No, no. So you're not allowed to vote. You're not allowed to own a weapon. Um, no there what what else are you not allowed to do because you're a felon um i'm not supposed to go into establishments where the primary function is serving alcohol such okay. as bars strip really? clubs nightclubs yeah huh. i never supposed heard that before. To or can't uh i can't but i mean you know who's gonna catch you i mean i you know if, if a cop did i guess i'd be in trouble i don't go to bars or clubs anyways just because that's i mean why waste time and money there Sure. Wow. So the, so, and I also know it's just hard as hell to get a fucking job as yeah. a felon. That's like, the that's, first thing that that's I've brutal. Heard. Super brutal. I would disagree with that. Wow. Cool. Depends also, on what type of job you're trying yeah. to get or how, why, what's your experience been? Uh, so, uh, I've had job offers since the day uh, I got out and I've had a job since I, I first took this job at this, uh, pet boarding facility that I worked at. Uh, I've had that job now for uh, nine months, going on ten months, but I've had job offers consistently the entire time oh. with with people knowing about my. So I would I would disagree. I would say now is a really good time to get out of prison and get a job. If you <laughs> now's the time, guys. <laughs> yeah, well, I move. think part of it, Scott, is you are you are a charming person, you're an articulate person, you know how to hold someone's. Um, there, you know, you know, you, I almost said, you know how to hold someone captive, <laughs> you know, how to have a captive Damn, conversation and, and there's a, that's yeah, some Freudian shit there. Um, another charge there and you would be good. I mean, there's, I'm sure people have told you things that you would be good at and they would want you to help, you know, grow their business. So, um, are, what do you, I mean, are you, ha do you have a list of hopes and dreams for the next few years of your life or what you would like hmm. to do or what step into? Look, I think I know what I'm doing after we're done recording this and past that. I have no clue what's going on in my life. <laughs> you get to go meet another person. <laughs> or maybe meet back up with the same one. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> Man, interesting. You know, I, I, uh, there's a couple things that we were talking about before. We spent about five minutes right before you come on and we talk about mm, things that might be interesting to us or that we're curious about. I just kind of get warmed up. And uh, I read a quote uh, today that had to do with an experience that I wonder if you experienced some version of. And it, essentially, it's the idea that prison can, um, in all of its like horror, which I know nothing about other than what I've talked with friends who've been there or, or, uh, seen on TV, you know, um, there's the, there is, seems like potential to have a positive, uh, introverted, I can focus on something and experience. And in any way was present that for you, were you able to learn something you wouldn't have learned or had the time to develop yourself in some way? Was there any of that? Um, I think that there was a lot of that, um, for me on a personal level. And I would say maybe communally to a degree there too. But um, yeah, man, I mean, nobody, nobody goes through that type of shit. And then 
you know, however you make it through at the end of the day, doesn't come out at least better just because you made it out the other side in some form or fashion, you know? Yeah. And, uh, and even if that's all you get is the, the, the little ribbon for saying you participated, Hey, that's good enough. You made, you know, you did it. Um, but you know, it's, it's, let me tell you a quick story about the, the very first day I got out. Okay. We got picked up from prison. They opened the back gates. We were already dressed in, in, in regular clothes, street clothes now. And we walked out this gate and there was a, a van that came to pick me and like 11 other people up because we were going to a halfway house for two months on parole. So this van picks us up. We hit the road. We're driving. This is my first time in a, in a car, you know, except other than a prison bus in 18 years. So I'm getting kind of like freaked out a little bit, a little nauseous, a little car sick. Uh, I'm starting to see like the inherent dangers of driving on a road and being so close to other vehicles. <laughs> and I'm processing crash calculations and survival odds in my head. You know, and, uh, we end up pulling over and stopping a couple hours later at a gas station. So we open the doors to the van. This is my first time in any type of an establishment that's not, on a prison grounds in 18 years we go inside and there's six of us walking all in a line and we go to the bathroom we get to the bathroom and we stop there's a sign in front of the door and it said restroom closed for cleaning so we stand there we're all standing there we stand there for probably like 90 seconds and finally, somebody from the line, I don't remember who it was, went in there and looked. And there wasn't even anybody in there cleaning. And our stupid asses were just standing there in front of a dumbass sign. But you get programmed yeah. for that. You get programmed to stop at certain places. You know, they, they, they cut off points like that. And so you don't, your mentality isn't even, well, I could just step into the bathroom and look. Why can't you do that? Because mm -hmm. there's a sign telling me not to do it. Oh, That's wow. how institutionalized I was when I first came out. Is that indicative of when you say things are really hard you know and have been really hard is it stuff like that that's a part of it yes mm. what else is it when yeah. you say it's been really hard like what else is what else is like super challenging for you so the first time i went into a grocery store it was a, it was a, an hcb plus which are massive yeah. fucking grocery stores in case anyone's wondering they're God, huge I, humongous. I, 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 I've never seen an HCB plus before. I didn't even know they had them. Um, so I was working at the halfway house when I first got out of prison for this uh, temporary construction job where they would take you to different job sites. And, you know, you just do shit work for, you know, 12 bucks an hour with a shovel. You know what I mean? And uh, so we're, we're headed uh, back to the halfway house one day from a, a job site. We pull over and we stop and we go into this HEB. This is my first time going into a grocery store. I hadn't been out, but, you know, a couple of weeks. And uh, I stepped into this grocery store, and every fucking person in the store stopped and fucking looked at me. And I was like, what the fuck? And it freaked me out for like two seconds. My heart like started beating fast Ooh. and I could feel like perspiration. I'm like, and of course, nobody was fucking looking at me. They're all on their phones or shopping. Nobody oh. in the world knew I existed. But I felt it, you know, and it was like, what the fuck? And so I guess I won't tell you too much about the transition from that grocery store visit to the ones I have now, but I'll tell you how they are now. And it's, it's interesting. I had a girl tell me just the other night, why don't you ever blink? 
And I was like, I do blink. And she's like, you don't blink. And I was like, how do I not blink? And she's like, I've been watching you. And I said something like, well, men, men blink less than women, don't they? She's like, you blink way less than a man is supposed to. I've been counting. And I'm like, you're counting my blinks? What the she's hell? Like, yes. So now I'm like, oh, yeah. you know, so, <clears throat> I don't blink, though. And I think that's something that I picked up in prison. I just, you don't blink. You don't shut, you want to see everything. And I think, yeah, uh, high alert all so I, I learned these little tidbits about myself from other people that I don't know or different about me or off. Well, back to the grocery store thing though. If I'm in the grocery store today and I walk down the coffee and juice aisle and there's nobody on the aisle. And then out of the corner of my eye, I see a basket turn. I automatically glance over there and I see who it is. And the first thing I, I, I take in is gender. And then it's, and then it's size, weight, age, you know, what their shoes are wearing, their clothes, how fast can they move. I'm assessing threats constantly, constantly. Every room I go into, it, you know, everything in there, every object, every it's either a weapon or a hiding spot. It's, it's ridiculous. Wow. I can't turn this shit off. My mind just does it automatically all day long. And, you and so I, 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 I have all that going on, and then I'm trying to deal with uh, – you know, uh, picking up social cues and learning uh, mannerisms and lingos. And it's just, it's a lot, man. It's been real hard. Dude, you're, so you're, what I'm hearing, man, is like, is your nervous system is, is like going through the fucking ringer because you're, you're on high alert all the time from, from getting out of prison. And then you're learning a new language. You're learning the nuances of a new language and trying to figure that out. I mean, to 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 put anybody in a situation where they're trying to learn a new language is very stressful. It's hard because there's a it's a new part of the brain that has to be activated, and and then you're just trying to, on top of that, just navigate life like normal life, which yeah. is really stressful on its own. And so you're dealing with like these like multiple layers of stresses in your life. No wonder it's hard, dude. It's yeah. that sounds fucking awful. Yeah, it's like he's Somebody, going through. Go ahead, it's, yeah. It, you, well, they, they told me the other day, like, you know, you should take a tolerance break from weed. And it's like, if, if I had tolerance, I wouldn't need to smoke this shit, you know? Yeah. Are you, is, is, um, is that how you're kind of dealing with all this stuff is just smoking a bunch of weed? It helps. Yeah. 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 I bet it is. Is that something <clears throat> kind of an ignorant question probably, but is is jail forced sobriety or is there you have access to drugs is whatever you want how does that work oh you can get anything in prison you can yeah for sure so did you, did you stay active using drugs when you got into prison not really i so when i got locked up to 20 all hard drugs ceased yeah. and i haven't done any cocaine or meth or ecstasy oh. or yeah. any of that crazy shit since um the only thing I do and have done since in, in prison and out is just uh, smoke weed. That's really my main. Yeah. And do you, uh, what about alcohol? I don't really like alcohol too much. I'll drink, you know, if, if, you know, it's a social thing and someone yeah. else is, but. Interesting, man. So I was thinking when you were telling, actually when Ron was talking about uh, that transition that you experienced, it's like you're going from one highly intensified and very specific environment, specific rules, specific um, visuals, you know, uh, specific words. Um, so many, it sounds like specific ways that you're acting and you're doing that for a long, long time. And then you're coming out into 
another highly intensified experience and environment, which is modern day life, right? But it has different rules and it's, I mean, I imagine prison has its own chaos, but I imagine that chaos is maybe different than the chaos of life. And so to think about not just like Ron said, you're dealing with all the things all of us are dealing with, but on top of you're dealing with a nervous system and a brain and a lexicon, like all the things that don't match the environment. So, right. Is there a part of you that wants to fucking go back? Has you, have you had thoughts like that? Absolutely. I've had thoughts of killing myself. I've had thoughts of going back to prison. Uh, I've had thoughts of what to do to somebody that deserved it. So, so I could go back to prison. I've gone through all that. Yeah. Oh, were you, yeah. were you happy? What level of happiness were you experiencing in prison or was it hell all the whole time? Uh, no, I can't say it was hell all the time. Um, Cause there were, <clears throat> there were, there were good moments in there. You know, I had, uh, I got to meet some people that I wouldn't have met otherwise um, that are, are, are still a part of my life today. Um, and that I'm grateful for, um, there were there were there were friendships there were um there were guards that i worked for females and males that i developed friendships with you know um uh that that were certainly that would have been considered uh inappropriate i guess you know uh but it's hard not to develop a relationship with someone whenever you work elbow to elbow with them five days a week 45 50 hours a week you know yeah where where does where does where does the humanity line stop at? When can you step over that? You know, so you know we we call this podcast "Cutting for Sun" because it's a tracking term that we use as a metaphor for the thing that we're tracking would be, you know, just a better version of ourselves. You know, words like more whole or more authentic, or more aligned. Um, just being on that path, you know, and sensing the clues and then cutting the 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 sign for those clues, like looking at clues and signs, and then what do they mean? And it's, it's, we talk to people who are kind of like, for lack of a better term on their path or on the path or on a path of, of doing what I just said. And I think Ron, Ron, Ron was really impressed. I let him speak to this a little bit more, but he was impressed with, you know, your willingness to fucking get, get aligned and, and kind of get on your path to having a, a, a better quality life. That's really what, you know, feels it's so motivating. Like, can things just get easier? Can I have more joy? You know, more pleasure is not bad. Can, where does pleasure turn into pain? And, and just all of these ideas that are, that are, that are going around this like zeitgeist of help, self-help, you know, like self-improvement. So where do you land in that? And, and is that something that you think about a lot? And, and yeah, could you just speak to that? You know, I think, um, <clears throat> I think that, that, Maybe perhaps the biggest thing that's helped me since I've been out, um, you know, is, is, is a resilience that I had to develop in prison. And it wasn't one that I developed uh, because I wanted to or I thought it would make me a better person or would help me achieve some goals. It was something you just had to do because it's kind of like life or death. Yeah. And um, being out now, it's it's... I was in a really toxic marriage, you know, and, 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 and it was, it was literally sucking all the life and the joy out of everything that I had. And, um, and so being separated and out of that now, I finally feel like I have some 
weight off of my shoulders that I, I feel like I can finally have some, maybe a little bit of control over the direction that I go. And mm-hmm. I, I think now I'm at a point where um, I'm just open and looking at all the different directions that there are and, and maybe starting to weigh them out and figure out which one I want to go. Yeah. What feels warm to you in that, in that sense? Like what, what kind of life feels warm to you? What kind of life feels exciting? Like, do you want to get into business? Do you want to own your own thing? Do you want to work for somebody? Do you want to move out of Texas? Like what's, what's, what's there on the horizon that you're like, that could be an option. That could be an option. What comes up for you, man? Well, so let me tell you like this. I can't answer that question. And the reason that I can't answer that question is because if I answer that question, I'll be shortchanging myself because mm. the universe is putting something together for me. And uh, I don't want to say what I think it should be because if I do that, whatever's being put together for me, it's going to be a whole lot better. But if I speak something else into existence, it'll chop it down to size for me if that's what I ask for. What gives you uh, that's that's a that's a pretty interesting answer. What what makes you believe that? Did you? Well, that's you, the power the the power of words. Hmm. Speaking, I mean, it's called spelling, casting a spell. You know, <laughs> we were just talking about that. A few yeah, Ron ago. Ron sends yeah. me these uh, uh, little clips of this lady who is like <laughs> she'll start talking and she talks about spe- words being spells and then she'll. She'll riff like Ron called it old lady hip hop or old lady freestyling. And cause it's not, it's not cool, but her whole point is that words, that these ideas and ways of being are fucking embedded in the language and they become yes. really deeply embedded in us to the point where they're carving out our way of, of being. And I do Absolutely. believe there's truth to that and to varying extents of how you use words, but um, that was an interesting answer. So you want to be careful with that. I, I got you. The the horizon you want to keep open. I love it. I have a fucking similar thing with, I'm a painter, Scott, and I don't have any art up in my house, none. And one of the reasons is because I don't think I know what I like, even though I'm, mm-hmm. you know, seven years into like being a painter and professionally more as, as, as every year goes by. And I look at those blank walls and I'm like, I wonder if I look at my blank walls in the similar way that you look at your horizon, you know? That's interesting. I like that. Yeah. But then other people come in and they're like, your fucking walls are blank and boring. Like, <laughs> all right. All right. <laughs> How's your wife? <laughs> yeah. So man, Dude, what do you what's what's up for you, Ron? I'm just curious. Where yeah, this is an interesting conversation. It's just a kind of a fast and loose one. I mean, you're you're a, a wild animal, dude. Like I I am um I feel for you. I really do I have a lot of empathy for you. Like that like the the you're in the wild and in a wild that very few people could even begin to understand. And, and Well, I'm we're a, all in the wild, brother. He's in the wild from coming from not from a different wild. Yeah. <laughs> How fucked is that? You can put a lion in the ocean and be yeah. like fucking top predator. Like you're badass. You were crushing the jungle. It's like fucking, there's a 600 pound tuna just came after my, I mean, I know that making a joke out of it, but right. I mean, that's my, it's, it's, like, it was, it was wired still. It was very hard getting out too, because when you're in prison for that long, you know, you're established and everybody knows you and you're respected and you're liked or oh. you're not, but, you're still respected anyways or whatever and you have your place you know hmm. and it's not in question it's not in doubt there's nothing 
you know, up in the air about it. And then when I came out here to not just lose, like, I guess that status or that, 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 that rung of the ladder that I clumped to, that I, that I climbed to, but uh, not just to, to come back to the, to, to you know, to, to ground zero, but to fall all the way to the bottom and have to climb your way up just to get out of the pit to start yeah. building up. Yeah. It's fucking hell. Did they, did they, what was the preparation for you? Like for, from the system to get out of jail, get out of prison, come back, out you go, come back. Jesus. Come back. Yeah. Gosh. Fuck. Yeah. That, so the, are you, are you working with a, a parole officer now? Do you have to like, stay in part of the system as a, as a ex con. So yes, um, I'm on parole until 2034. Wow. I, uh, For another 12 years. I, uh, Jesus. It'll be February 11, but um, yeah, I, uh, I report every three months though. And I report my phone. I just got put on minimal supervision. So gotcha. it's not, it's yeah, it's, it's not, one thing I'll say uh, about parole in Texas, um, you know, they don't, they don't really ride their ass here too much. Uh, once you now being in prison in Texas is a whole other that's a whole other ball game. But being on parole, uh, as long as you're just pretty much taking care of your business, they don't they don't really fuck with you, man. You know. Huh. One of the saddest uh, stories is one of uh, someone I know telling me about their experience of of coming out of prison. I, I think they did like five years, you know, minimum security, but it was, I think, um, they listened to this. I, I don't, I don't want that to be, um, misquoted, uh, but it was fucking hard, but I got to tell you, I think their life afterwards, despite all the excitement and the freedom and all of that, I think some of the worst moments of their life have been after, and it's been around their parole because their parole is brutal. You know what? And, and what state are they in? Oregon. Yeah, see, different, and you know, it's really weird because you would think that the, the liberal states where like weed is legal and things like that, they would be more progressive and their parole would be a lot softer and looser, but it's, it's kind of the opposite, which is yeah. strange. Wow. Colorado's parole is a lot harder too. I mean, he is dealing with people, cops coming into his house at times that he didn't want them there and in front of his, you know, it was just, it, he, it, it's, it's significant it's a it's in my life it's significant to hear him talk even as the years go by about about how that choice that he made that one you know time so it takes. changed his life yeah you know like to this day and he, he's not like a resentful regretful person you know um so it's not like ah oh, dude you would complain about anything you know it's like this guy had a heart and a and a humor and a spirit that is just alive, you know, and and is like that that experience of his and and the experience in incarcerated and afterwards it turned the light uh, his light down, you know, uh, quite a, quite a bit as I would expect it would most people, but it's just so viscerally apparent with this one human, and it's it's just fucking sad. Yeah, I've seen it. I've, I've watched the light go all the way out of people's eyes. It's heartbreaking. Really? In prison or since then? Prison. Yeah. Yeah. It is heartbreaking, man. I mean, I can't imagine, you know, I can think about how my light has been turned down just through the grind of life and mistakes I've made, 
you know, but none of those mistakes have been, I don't know. There's something about years in prison that I think is just, it would, I don't know what it would do to me, but I know that the, the, the grind that you're entering the life, and it doesn't have to be a grind, the life, the environment, the way of being that you're entering, just being, you know, a free man is that fucking turn is hard to me. <laughs> that will turn your fucking light down, you know? And, and I think that's one of the things that Ron and I are like, you know, most interested in is how do we, how do we like maintain the light we have still? How do we turn it up? How do we focus it? You yeah. know, and how do we let's say that it? light can't be regained <clears throat> at all. How do we focus it on something so that is enough light to have a, a life that we can thrive? You know, would you say that, what do you think about that, Ron, that type of thinking? I've never really put that spin on what you and I are doing or that perspective, but that feels like one of the things we're doing. I, th- I think so. I think I'm trying to trying to notice where I've wanted to voluntarily and involuntarily be sp- be smaller, live less, um, not engage in the freedoms that life has to offer. And I was thinking about I've, uh, several things are going through my mind during this whole conversation, and one is. Uh, this might sound out of left field, but one is the breaking the generational cycles of things that come out of like, like poverty. You know, if you grew up poor, it's very likely that you're going to continue to be poor. If you grew up in a household of addicts, like it's very, very likely it's, you know, to come out of that. And, and you went through Scott, a, a whole lifetime of living in a certain way in prison and to come out of that, I can't imagine how difficult it is to change your brain and change your mind and your behavior. And and I was thinking, I mean, it's like, that just seems like a, a huge weight to change. And another thing that was coming up for me, <clears throat> Daniel, is, is what is it about somebody? This is a question you guys can, you know, feel free to answer, free to chime in on, but what is it about, especially immigrant communities that come from terrible fucking places and they get to america they're like we're gonna fucking do it guys and they work really hard they build businesses they build a new life they just they they like they see the opportunity in a way that we can't see it and they fucking go for it and i i my wife and i've been talking about like why why do they get it in a way that like we don't get it and i speak for myself i speak for myself and and I these all seem like parallels in my head to prison is like yeah. poverty, prison, coming out of a bad place. And and what is it like what where is the switch in our brain that like flips on or off? Either it is all the way in or it's all the way off. And it's like, how can and I know for me, I'm speaking to myself right now, is like I'm trying to figure out where that switch is, how to access the hidden switches that are off. Can I do it? What do I need to do to fucking get out of these these old patterns? I mean, I I grew up poor raised by my you know a a mom and a dad who are still poor i mean my dad passed away very poor unbankable um my mother's has to live with her family her her sisters to survive and and i i that's on my you know that's on my radar all the time like how can i break that cycle and how can i help help my family step out of that place um and so I, I, as I'm listening to you, Scott and Daniel, like I'm just thinking about these like macro patterns in the world happening and like, and then how they affect me in my own life. Yeah. 
you know, it's easy to, it's easy to romanticize someone's experience, like the one we're talking around, you know, with you, Scott. And that, on my mind, the whole time we're talking, I'm like, that part of me that wants to see opportunity or see, see how it might have changed you for the better. It's like, I got to keep that part in check because, you know, just there's so much conversation around how the system handles people who have made mistakes. And like you said, come back, you know, and sending people out having a rough time and wasting lives, days, weeks, months, and years of people's lives who have so much to offer. And I just, but with that said, so I respect that about you, you know, and, and I wouldn't want to go with you through what you experienced, obviously. And one of the ways that you're affecting at least Ron and me, because this is a big deal to have someone on this podcast, we choose carefully, you know, and we choose people who might be meaningful to us. You know, it's, it's a little bit of a self-serving aspect of it. We also do it to have a good time. We also do it with hopes of a new connection with someone. We also do it to build our friendship and create new ones. Um, but I, I, one of the reasons I was really excited, I mean, I was excited for this conversation as, as, as many of our most high profile people, you know, because you have a unique perspective that I think will help me get my head just a little further out of my ass, you know? (laughs) And that is that, okay, you struggle. I have challenges. I have challenges that you wouldn't want, you know, and Ron has challenges and you, he, you and I wouldn't want, you know, we got our thing and some are worse than others. I, I, that has to be true, (laughs) but fuck, man, I just feel like some are just different. Yeah. Yeah, you put my shit on you, and it would be maybe harder than it was with me because I know my demons or something. But to, not to go on too All about long. the tools that you have to work with. Yeah, big nice. time. Yeah, big well, time. and that's what I'm saying. So, kind of what what this conversation, and not to say you need to take any something meaningful out of every talk, you know, even these talks. But I think one of the reasons that you you kind of like mean something to me, you know, not knowing you, is just because it can help me understand and appreciate and use and be grateful for what I have. And that has not been taken away as opposed to so much of my attention being focused on mistakes I've made and the consequences of those mistakes. I've had days since I've been out of prison that, that, that I literally wanted to, to end my own life. And then I've had moments being out of prison that I stop and look at the sunset and I burst into tears full of joy and gratitude and bewilderment at, at the improbability of my situation. Hmm. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that with me. How, how do you, how do you deal with the, the moments that feel really low? Like you yeah. mentioned, you've mentioned wanting to end your life a couple of times. On and are now. they getting less? Yeah. They're getting less now that I separated from my wife. Huh. Yeah. That was really, it was, it was a bad relationship. Yeah. It was, it was, we got, we got real toxic for each other. Yeah. Man, yeah. Really? It, it, Go ahead. It, well, I don't want to say she set me back or it was a setback yeah. because like I said in the beginning, Wherever I went or whatever I would have done, it would have been it would have been fucked up, guarantee. Yeah, I can I, I mean, can I say that with confidence. And I, I, I think there's also dynamics. Yeah. yeah, yeah. There's there's dynamics. They're just not healthy. That 
you got it's, the best intentions you, and you actually love each other. Like it's not, that's not to say the, the love and intentions aren't there. It's like sometimes you're just well, demons fuck each other up more. That was one of the hardest things for me to come to grips with because I had gone through 18 years in prison of watching everybody slowly leave my life. Everybody that I loved, that I cared about, everybody left, you know, out of sight, out of mind kind of thing. And that's just what happens. And I thought, or was under the impression that, well, now that I'm out of prison, I don't have to go through that type of shit anymore. But not only am I having to go through it, I'm having to tell the woman that I love that, you know, you can't even be in my life now. So now not only am I just having people leave my life, I'm fucking kicking them out. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say, man, some of the choices you seem to be making and some of the awareness that is leading to those choices is actually like pretty fucking solid, you know, to reckon, to recognize that that situation, which is that probably the easiest fucking situation to pass the buck on and to someone else, this is that toxic relationship. And not only that, it's this woman, it's not, you know, and to say, actually, I would probably experience a fucked situation in anything that I did right now. That's fucking wise. You know, that's helpful. You can work with that because now you know, okay, you're not pushing off your own responsibility on someone else or even onto a situation. You're like, this is with me. Now, what do I do about it? You know, and that's a whole adventure, right? But I don't know, man. It seems like you got some tools. You feel like you're going to thrive. It's, are you going to be all right? I mean, what do you, can you speak to like your future a little bit without, you know, putting any too many buildings on the horizon? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It's going to be good, man. It's going to be good. What's it's, good mean uh, to you? You know, I'm sorry. What I mean is like emotional. No, it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's it, it, it has to be, you know, it can't be anything else. Um, <laughs> I, like answers, man. I mean, I, I don't know how to make anything else. There's no, there's, if, if it's, if I'm not going to make my life great, then why am I here? Yeah. That's solid. I'm just, I'm just wasting oxygen. I should just go ahead and check out now. If I don't, if I don't, if I don't think that I can give myself my best shot to live up to whatever someone else might call my full potential, then there's no point in me being here. I think that goes for any human being on the planet. Fuck yeah. Well said, man. Yeah. I'm going to have to um, return to the, that part of that conversation because it's just so fucking easy to forget what you just said. You know, it's like you can have that experience and your whole reality becomes like, oh, I have opportunity. I'm grateful. I've got, I'm valued. I'm unique. Like we got this shit. Hell yeah. And then, and then things change in some way or you don't take care of yourself or, and then you feel maybe the opposite of that, maybe the full opposite of that. And me and Ron kind of have this like superstition or this experience, not superstition, but this sort of experience that if we take care of ourselves, like our body and our mind, and we don't do too much of the, like the, these things and we do enough of these things, then it becomes easier to exist in that place where we have those types of thoughts and those types of experiences and that type of emotional um, uh, consciousness that can then create that thing on the horizon that you want are leaving open because it's going to be that good. So do you consider that a lot about like, I got to take care of myself. I mean, what's your tiny house, you know, going to look like, is it going to be geared around like, all right, this is a, a place that's going to harbor and this, this experience that you're creating. Uh, I'm, you know what? I'm, I'm not right now. I think I'm, I'm more worried about the interior designing of, of me still on a personal level hmm. um, and, and, and putting myself together because um, you know, it's, it, you know, that, that anything that you build, if the foundation isn't solid, you know, you can only build as high as your foundation is strong. And, um, and so in terms of like 
putting this tiny house together or uh, job opportunities or things like that. Uh, I just have an open heart and an open mind. And I think that, that I'm just trying to get myself ready um, and, and, and to somehow come to terms with how I can be the best person of myself for myself so that when, when, when the timings do come for, you know, whatever situations are coming in my future, I'll be prepared for them and able to, to make the most out of each opportunity. How do you do that? How do you, do you have like a, do you journal? Are you, do you, are you conscious about this? Like what's the, cause I, I mean, I talk to dudes about this shit all, all day long. I mean, not all day long, very frequently. And, and there are tools, you know, you've mentioned tools before. So like, what are your, what are your like top two tools that you use to stay positive, to stay focused? To, I mean, you, even the phrase, the interior design of my inner world. Yeah. Not a phrase I ever heard before, but it makes perfect fucking sense. Very on brand for Kyle yeah. Stein. <laughs> yeah, very on brand. Sealing that. <laughs> Y'all should let me do some content writing for you. Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> um, you know, I, to be honest with you, I, I don't know how to not do that um, at this point. Mm. And I guess I would have to think about it a little more to tell you what my, my top tools are, because I don't even know what it is I'm doing. I just know that's what always happens. So that's really a good question. Yeah, cool. That's a great answer. I appreciate your uh, frank, honest answers. They're really, uh, you know, that's just one of my values and it's um, it's been appreciated. And I was also curious, unless uh, Ron, you wanted to follow up on that. Um, you know, we talk a little bit about what we were curious about with this conversation. And I know you did something, I don't know if anyone else has done yet, but you took a day off work just to have this conversation. That was pretty cool, man. Thank you. Um, quality attention, quality time is uh, important, uh, especially when we're doing something for posterity, you know? And um, I'm curious what you were wanting to get out of this or what, why you wanted to do this or why you're, wh yeah, what your thoughts on this, on this conversation was before going in. You know, I was excited about it um, because I've, I've, I've talked with Ron already before and uh -huh. uh, I was very impressed with him. And, uh, you know, of course, he looked at me and he was, you know, he's, he's an honest guy. So he's like, hey, you're totally fucked up. I don't know what that would do with you. You know what I mean? <laughs> That'll be $500. <laughs> he gave me a government discount. I got the 50% off. Ask no, grass uh, or gas. No one rides for free. <laughs> well, I don't have money. <laughs> Scott's like, you know, one of those low moments I was telling you about. Interestingly enough, I came back to our conversation. <laughs> no doubt. But yeah, I'm curious. Like, uh, so you just wanted to have a little bit more, a little more time, a little more, more, more. Yeah. I just, you know, I think, I think the biggest thing too, at the end of the day, you know, there's so many, I think one of the, the, the biggest personal demons that I have is, is I, I have a lot of um, shame and embarrassment um, when it comes to making missteps out here, whether it's, mm. it's uh, like a, like a faux pas, like socially or, you know, just whatever, whatever. And, and it may not even be a mistake. I may just be, Right. being hypercritical on myself yeah. and turning it into a mistake. I don't know. I do that sometimes, but, um, but wrestling with that. And then, and then I think wanting to have that avoidance of it is kind of a tool in itself too, because when I do make a mistake or what I feel like is a mistake, I feel a lot of shame and a lot of guilt. 
like mm. I should know better. I'm more intelligent than this, or mm. I've seen this before, or yeah. I've already made this mistake. Why the fuck am I making yeah. it for the fourth time now? You know, yeah. and, and and you beat yourself up. And so it's hard, but, um, you know, I've been in some situations and it, you automatically feel, or I do anyways, um, out here, I feel a disconnect from everybody that I meet, uh, for the simple fact that, you know, probably 75 or 80% of the people I talk to on a daily basis have never gone to bed hungry. And I've gone to bed hungry in prison. And if you've never gone to sleep hungry before, you don't know what that's like, you know? Yeah. And, um, and it, 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 it can fuck you up. And uh, at least I can say mine was from being in prison and not like a kid. And my parents did feed me, yeah. or, you know, but, but still though, it's, it's, it just, it separates you. And, and so the things that I've gone through are not the things that other people have gone through. And there's the, the relations is, you know, it's, it's foggy at best, but um, I think that, that, and as cliche and fucking stupid as this shit sounds that I hate, hate, hate that I'm about to say this, but, you know, if it doesn't kill you or you don't kill yourself because of it, you do come out stronger. That's the bottom fucking line. And uh, <laughs> and so I, I think at the end of the day, I mean, have you ever seen a wrestler that's just big brute strength and he has no quickness or finesse or, or agility about him, but he wins his matches because he can just fall on top of his opponents? <laughs> I think that's what my mental and emotional strength is out here at this point it's just such a big goddamn lumbering beast it can't be knocked out you know brute force <laughs> fucking like a it. man you gotta play your strengths man, man. <laughs> that's a good one that's a good one you got you got a gift you certainly have a gift of uh, uh i don't know i don't know if you're you would be good at, as a writer or, or something like that but you've got something with language and with with story that's why ron said he one of the main reasons he wanted to chat with you is he, he's a good storyteller you know, and, and, uh, that, that's what one of the things the world needs. And I call them live wires. You know, I want to talk to someone who's live wire. And I don't mean on this show. I mean like in life, you know, are you a yeah, live wire? Sure. Are you saying things that when, you know, not everything, but more often than not or enough, uh, that, that they hit me in a, and in, in a way that means something that I feel something that I see life from a different perspective <clears throat> and see, you know, are you expressing your fucking unique perspective that no one else has are you doing that through your language are you doing that through your deeds through your through your clothes or whatever man and it seems like you, you're onto something there i don't know it's the shirt bro it's the shirt <laughs> <laughs> yeah. i got a, i got a question for you as we start to kind of wrap up here man is do you feel pressure from the people who look at you i don't mean from like us specifically but i mean from the kind of collective view of you because my my to to succeed do you feel pressure from the people who look at you to succeed because i know when i see you i think that fucker is going to be successful no matter what he decides to do and and i think that my guess is there's a group of us and i'll include myself and i can't speak for anybody else who go man this guy's capable he's super articulate he he whatever he decides to do he's going to just hit it out of the park do you feel a pressure around that or have you even noticed that I know it's coming to no you, pressure. so I don't have any pressure. You know what? I know that it's coming. Yeah. yeah. Nice, man. Nice. There's a there's a guy uh, at an art um, makerspace that I was a part of in Portland, and um, he he came out of jail, and part of his incarceration was 
introduction into a program that basically set him up with a business. Like he wanted to run a business, right? And so as soon as he came out, he was able to start a business at this art collective, this maker's space. And so I, I met this guy and then we were talking, I was like, man, he's charming as hell. You got all this energy, you know? Um, and then I was talking to another friend of mine who had spent time in jail quite a while ago. And he was like, yep, some, some people come out of jail and they got a lot of energy and they got vision and they got the charm and they got, you know, and they want to, and they're a light and people just whoosh, you know, they go to them. And, uh, he's like, but that can be challenging. Like they can burn out fast or they can be overwhelmed by all the attention that they do get. Do you feel like you wrestle with that a little bit? Or is that coming too, or has it already come? I don't know, man. It's hard to say because I like the attention. So yeah, <laughs> so he. is that why? Is that why you're you've you've mentioned a couple times um, social media? Like you want to start mm. telling a story and kind of being vi visible on social media? Is that why? Um, and, actually, and what do you I want to talk to. about on there? I I want to talk about everything that I've been through so that I have nothing left on my chest anymore. Wow. Fuck yeah, dude! That's awesome. Just and grab a thread and start pulling. And you yeah. want to do that publicly? You want to do that? Yes. I think it's needed well, publicly. Yeah. You know, if, 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 they, and even if there's just one person out of, out of, you know, a hundred that, that gets something that improves the quality of their life based on something I said or did, then to me, that time is well invested and well worth it because I've been in situations where I've been on the receiving end of something small, one little nugget or jewel of oh, wisdom yeah. or information that transformed my life, maybe at the expense of somebody else's time or mental or emotional energy. And I still saw how much it meant to me in the long run. And so that's why I would never discount that for somebody else in the future. Wow. Is there, I mean, off the top of your head, is there anything in particular that you would start with around, I want to not have anything else to, that I need to talk about is uh, what are the main things that you're just like, this has to get out. And yeah. Get I want to hear your inaugural story that you don't need to get <laughs> out there. It's gotta be here. I don't, yeah, I, I, I don't, I don't have, I don't even have really too much of a direction. I have some yeah. ideas and thoughts yeah. wrote down and some topics and uh, some things like that, but I think questions and answers would be fun and stuff like that. Can I, can I ask about your, uh, and I know uh, we probably got on our end, we probably got about maybe like five, five ish minutes left. Um, okay. This is kind of a silly question, but like, can you speak to some of your tattoos? You got some cool tattoos. Are they meaningful? Are they stuff that you got before, after prison, since prison? Like, I don't know. I, I appreciate people sleeving up, you know, and it's something I've thought about and considered and, you know, all mine, all mine are from prison. I've never had any tattoos out here before. Yeah. Um, and I got a quote on this arm and uh, it says, he who makes a beast of himself gets rid of the pain of being a man. Do you know who that is? No, I've never heard that quote before. That's Hunter S Thompson from fear and loving in Las Vegas. Really? That. That reminds me a hundred percent of what Jordan Peterson says all the time is become dangerous and then control yeah. it. That's how you become an adult. Okay. That's okay. This arm says if in hell I could hold one curl of your hair, I think the saints of heaven in torment. Well, can you read that one more time? Yeah. Read a little slower. If in hell I could hold one curl of your hair, I think the saints of heaven in torment. I think the saints of heaven in torment. 
if I could hold one he's, curl of hair. He's, he's basically saying that his love for her is so great, he'd rather have one curl of her hair in hell than he would be in heaven without anything. Wow, who did you do that for? My baby. <laughs> big smile. <laughs> big smile and then a big sad face. Dude, what, what, quote is, what quote is that from? It's, it's, it's Rumi. Oh, shit. Rumi and Hunter S. Thompson. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Peanut butter and jelly. I, you know, it's funny as I like raised my arm earlier to scratch my head and like one my little tattoo popped out and I was like, I feel like a real imposter <laughs> here with my tattoos. <laughs> unearned, got, unearned ink. I got 420 tattooed on the back of my arm right here. You gotta see that. Bro. <laughs> hey man, you know, there's people out there who say that uh, drugs and weed and, and alcohol and things are just like, man, that it's bad and it's bad for everybody. And Seth Rogen has this really cool mo moment uh, where he goes, well, I can't remember exactly how I said it, but I've thought about this uh, on my own many times in the same metaphors. I think running shoes, you know, running shoes don't exist in a world that doesn't have payment pavement, R the way that they look now beef beefed up really, you know, like, uh, um, I know there's a lot of tiny mattresses on the bottom. Of our yeah. Feet. You know, there's, there's <laughs> there. well, there, there weed is weed is running shoes, you know and alcohol is running shoes and not to say that weed works for everybody but these are tools that we have to take that fucking edge off and be able to psh, release a, a valve it's like um ben uh benjamin franklin said he said uh he said beer is that god loves us <laughs> yeah and i was like so i don't fault anybody for using what using what they need to do to get through you know you can abuse easily i get that that's up to each person to wrestle with and figure out but i know like for me alcohol is a very good drug you know and since knowing that and feeling that and experiencing that gets me into very little trouble you know it's usually a really good thing now some of the brain science is coming out about why certain things hit certain people in different ways and Alcohol, it, it, I can't remember the signs. I'm still working it out, but it basically hits me like cocaine. It hits me like um, a, a, a serotonin up. It, 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 I become outgoing in a positive way. I become present. I become grateful. Like it just does good things if I have it in the right amounts at the right time. So that's just like a little thing that I want to profess. You know, anytime I get a chance to speak it and say it is, you know, the same thing can be terrible in one person's life and be literally like a saint in the other uh, i don't know if you if you might feel that but take that for what it's worth you know bills are paid so well i'm talking about you were talking about shame you know it's like man i think people give themselves a really hard time around certain things that it's like dude pretend it's not a bad thing five minutes you know and and how might that be good in your life and then be, control it become dangerous and then control it you know i think that's valid I think that's one of the things I've always done too, is told people right off the top that I've been to prison for 18 years. So there's no, there's no mm -hmm. surprise, no secrecy, no, no whispers about it. There's no power over it whatsoever. Yeah. Yeah. Scott, I appreciate you coming on with us, man. This has been an exciting conversation and I, I appreciate watching your story and uh, I, you know, I follow you on social media. So I'm looking forward to more, more stuff coming out there and, <laughs> and, Keep in touch with us, please, man. I'd, I'd, I'd like that. I'd like to keep following what, what's going on with you and reach out anytime. You've got my number. Um, hey, man, I appreciate you guys. Yeah. It's been a lot of fun hanging out with y'all today. Yeah, yeah. I hope it worked for you. No, I, I, I feel like the conversation was a little different, a little bit out of our, our experience. So I hope it worked for you and it was worth your day off because that, that meant a lot to us.
Oh man, this was totally worth it. I've I've had a lot of fun. I really appreciate y'all's time, man. For real. Cool. You Thanks, bet. Scott. You bet. Thank you. Well, well, I'll let you know when this uh, episode comes out. I'll send you the link to it and everything, and and share with whatever you want from it and and whatever you need from yeah. it. Okay. Yeah. Hey, I appreciate you all, man. Thank you so much. All right. Take care, Scott. See you, buddy. All right, you guys have a good. One. Welcome to the field dressing. Field dressing. Let's gut Scott. <laughs> Open him up. <laughs> See where the Jesus. meat is. <laughs> well, it's kind of a funny thing that we do where we draw, aim at something, someone. Yeah. We do it and then we gut them. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a metaphorical <laughs> gutting of a, of a wild thing that we caught. I don't know if they are the thing that we catch. It's the thing we're looking for. That we, oh, I see, I see, I see. Yeah, yeah. We shot some wisdom. Let's gut wisdom. There we go. There we, we go. We shot some some uniqueness. Let's let's tear the uniqueness open. Find out where the sweet parts are. Um, Scott, I was nervous a little bit there a couple of times. I'm gonna be honest. <laughs> yeah, I, I was nervous. I was nervous because I, uh, but I, but I, I had to like check that nervousness of why I was. I was like, oh, it's because I wouldn't make those decisions, but I'm not that person. And he's not was it around around girls. Yeah. 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 I mean, me too, you know, and with all respect to Scott, um, Total I, he, respect. he knows, he knows yeah. it. He's dealing with something yeah. that is, that is created to satisfy, you know, our, our fascinations and enchantments with, with people that we're attracted to uh, online apps are set. Yeah scratch that itch and also the there's a, i think there's a lot of and i want to make sure that i say this clearly the, the way he owned up to that behavior he he no you know he couldn't he he could have chosen not to tell us that he could have kept that separate but the way he owns this experience like he doesn't i mean for a guy who says he wrestles with shame he doesn't seem to wrestle with the kind of shame I would wrestle with around this kind of thing. Well, I I've noticed that and maybe you have too, that people deal with shame in different ways. Well, first yeah. of all, maybe that's not one of the areas he's sh shameful about. Mm -hmm. Not that he should be. Um, but also, yeah, some people deal with shame by fucking putting the thing that they're ashamed about right in front of your face, you know, and I'm not saying he's doing that either. Yeah, I, yeah. I don't know him well enough, but yeah, you know, I, yeah, man, I see a lot of myself, you know, in, in how he's dating particularly really in what way oh because i mean i literally experienced the same thing that he he's doing and and if i were in a slightly different situation i would probably be to some extent doing the same thing in my own version and i and i've heard men say say almost the same story even before before online dating you know when that that kind of attention is accessible it's so it'd be impossible to put it down. I mean, I've never had that situation where I have access to that kind of, you know, attention from women, but I would, I, there's no fucking way I would be able to say no to that. <laughs> there's no way. Yeah. There's, there's stories one, cause I do, this is one of the funny parts Yeah. about this conversation is that when he was like telling me, saying to us that that one person was giving him a hard time about sharing his other stories from oh, yeah. dates, you know, and asking hers, which I, I've literally never heard that. And I don't mm. think that's faux pas. You have to speak about people with respect. You're not going to give out names and numbers. Yeah. Right. But it's like, why would that be wrong? You know, you're sharing the stories of this. It's a very interesting uh, experience we're having collectively, but 
when he, excuse me, when he was saying that, I remembered all of these women that I would go on dates with, a bunch of them would say that they had done something similar that Scott did because the difference in general between men and women, if we're just going to talk about the extreme genders, you know, the polarized man, woman, is that women get nine times, well, what I heard was the best looking guy, just physically, because it's a lot about looks on there. Yeah gets as much attention as the bottom 10% of women. The top 10% of good looking, just talking about looks, gets the same amount of attention as the bottom 10% of women. Women just get fucking swarmed. Every single woman I've spoken to on online dating says they get slammed with messages. And recently I was on uh, on a dating app with a woman. We were like looking for other people to have sexual experiences with friendships and adventures. And so I had a woman's uh, a profile attached to mine. And so I then got treated like a woman because now we're matching with all the genders. Yeah. And so I got ex- the experience of being treated more like a woman does. And it was so intense, man. And I started doing all the things women would do, you know, to me and that I've heard from other people, which is like you getting, I would ghost people more. I would get overwhelmed. I would put the app away for a month. Like I did all the things that I thought was crazy (laughs) when women would tell me what they would do because you just get slammed, man. But I bring it up because a bunch of those women would also say that they would just fucking crack out. This one, one girl totally put together, very cool, calm. And she was like, I would, I would go on four dates a day. She's like, the guy would pay for everything, you know? Yeah. They wouldn't go to like crazy stuff, but they'd go for a drink. And so she would just, and it was that attention. So I think we all do it. You know what? We all do it. Oh, I, I mean, I talked to a guy yeah. years ago, years ago now, who told me he went on like a hundred dates in a month. God damn. Oh my God. Yeah. Like it was, <laughs> I, I think I'm not, I don't think that's accurate. It was, yeah, it was some number that when he told me, I just, I had this same reaction you just did. I was like, whoa, <laughs> what the fuck, man? My and he fucking... made it, he, he, I think he even said I made it my full-time job. I made it my full-time job. He told me about this because he wanted to find someone. He was like, I'm going to put it all into it. Yeah. Yeah. That, yeah. You told me that like years ago. Yeah. There, well, I guess we're going to have on in a few, in a few uh, episodes. Um, another... For all those women when, with him. <laughs> What's that? You said a guest that we're about to have on. I said it's going to be all oh. those women and him. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that would be great. Um, he was also a good friend of mine, and we lived together for a while. And he is David. And I had had a knee surgery, a serious knee surgery. Like they were drilling bone, you know, reattaching cadaver yeah. parts to my leg, you know. And and I was so addicted to dating that I was on crutches way too soon after that surgery, hobbling out the door to go meet someone. And David looks at me and he just shakes his head. He's like, he laughed his ass off about that for months because it was it was an addict going to their dealer. Like I, yeah. that's that's what it was. And well, that's what scared. I want to get back to Scott. I don't, I don't want to. Oh yeah. You know, you and I are getting kind of getting on tangents, but I like I've I have. You know, you have a, a very tempered relationship with substances and I have I have a little bit of a teetotaler teetotaler experience with substances. Yeah. 
and I don't drink and I, and I, I don't say I don't smoke weed. I just don't now. <laughs> yeah. And, and, um, and I definitely just don't do other drugs because I'm afraid of them, not because I've done them and, and feel like they're bad for me. I just, I'm afraid of them. And I, and I had a heart murmur as a kid and I was like, man, I don't mm-hmm. want this to be the one time that mm-hmm. I do a little bit of Coke and bam, I'm dead, you know? Which I've heard, I heard that from a person a long time ago. And- no, you telling me that in my own heart, like awareness, I, I don't think I've done cocaine for the last time in my life. I've never done a lot of it, but I just, I, I agree, man. It's like, I think it's just too much. Yeah. Um, but I, I hear you about Scott. Well, Scott. no, well, let me, let me finish here. But I, I had a, a guy in my early recovery days of alcohol, um, was a member of SA, you know, sex, sex holics, anonymous. Oh. And and hearing him talk about his escapades, I was like, oh, that sounds very much like an addict behavior. And so hearing Scott, I'm like, that sounds like very much like an addict behavior. And I'm not trying to throw him under the bus. I'm not trying to say that's what he's doing. Uh, again, I want to reiterate this. Like, I don't think I would do anything different. Yeah. But I don't think I would do anything different. Um, and I think part of my fear was just my own projection of like what I would do in his shoes. And... <clears throat> And I hope he stays safe and, you know, doesn't get anybody pregnant and doesn't get a disease or anything. But, um, but I I also want to leave on a high note with, with his stories, man, because, or his, his presence. And that's a person who has chosen, you know, he mentioned a couple times how hard it's been and, and suicide in particular, his thoughts of ending his own life a couple times. And I, and I was thinking about red from, um, the Shawshank Redemption. Mm-hmm. And uh, the other character, remember, he carves his name in the in the the beam yeah, over the deal. The old, old guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And how difficult it is. And I've heard this many, many, many times. How difficult it is for a guy to come out of prison and to feel like there's any hope in, in a place in society for the for him. And yet, and Scott's felt those feelings, and he's feeling those feelings, and he's also going. I, I, he own. He has a certain kind of conviction around that life's going to be okay and the universe is going to take care of him. And he has, he has some steadiness in there that I didn't know I was looking for, but now that I've heard it, I'm going to take that. Yeah, I agree. There's something there, but that's why I'm glad we're talking about the dating thing in, in the Mm. field dressing, because honestly, it's, it's not just something that just because it relates to me, it, that is, a place that can take so much time and money and bandwidth and also lead to intense emotional experiences and captivations and that sort of anima part that I was talking about, you know, yeah, this might be very more... cool description of that, by the way, I like well, that. That was it's, interesting. It's a place that he seems to be working out his stuff and it's a yeah. pla- It's a, it's a field in which I work out myself. My, I work out the most challenging parts of life through women. My relationships with yeah. women, particularly romantic relationships through women. That's just the the field of my inner world and 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 the language and the people that I grow through, you know, and grow with and grow around and grow up <laughs> around. Mm-hmm. You know, and I'm not saying I use them, you know, to do that, but I'd look back and I'm like, oh, I grow up through my relationships with women more than any other area of life. And it seems like He's, I wouldn't say that thing about him, but when he's talking about dating and he talked about his intense emotional relationship, like, man, that sounds like somewhere he's going to, he's going to have some growth, you know, and and it's taken me a long time to, and a lot of heartache on my end and others to grow around and through and with 
was particularly app dating. It sounds minimum. It sounds what like like there's not a lot of substance there, but I I have I respect myself more through the way I've changed in the way I handle my communications on dating apps. Hmm. You know, I, I I really respect myself there now, and I'm honest, and I'm less fearful, and I'm I'm more confident, and I'm more forthright. And and all in all the good ways, and I'm not saying I'm I'm those things inherently, but I'm more that way. And so it's a good thing to grow through that. And but I did notice, like, you know, he's good looking and charming. You know, man, yeah. he's gonna get a lot of attention, and obviously has. And and I, I hope he, I hope it doesn't take him out. You know, in any way. Yeah. yeah. I, hope, I hope he navigates it well. Does it, do you know what I mean? Yeah, I I think I know what you mean. I think I know what you mean. One thing I was thinking about while you're just talking is, is the um, opportunity for humanity in this time of of dating West, the Western world in particular, David, Dr. David Schnarch is a, is a um, psychiatrist and sexologist. He's, he's very famous for writing books on, on intimacy um, and marriage and relationships. And he's like, he's, everything's open to him. He's not, he's not like marriage should look like this or, or anything like that. He's, he's so, um, open about it. But I want to, one thing he says is that relationships are crucible and that is a, it is a hot pressurized place where our, our faults and character defects come to the surface. And if we can withstand that pressure and heat, then we can change. And there's an opportunity for the relationship to to create something new and whole and healing in us. And I and I can see how I can see how online dating would but, okay. Hello. I gotta get a new ex- <laughs> I can see how online dating, if you were smart and willing, could make you a better person. And that's what you're saying you're doing. Exactly. Or you could get fucking lost in it, like anything. All, all of the, both of those things. Yeah. To all the degrees. And that's, but dude, I mean, I, I, I think for, for, as a human being, that's what people do with working out. Like they can like either be healed and hold through it, or they can lose themselves in it and and com- get completely lost in that identity yeah. or running like you've experienced in your life or yeah. or workaholics i talk to a lot of workaholics in my line of work and you know we, we have that capacity as human beings to go like this could be an amazing thing or it can be the end of me it could be the end of me well said yeah thanks man appreciate uh, appreciate this time together with you 100 percent yeah Thanks for having uh, Scott on with me.